It's the Dogcast, episode number 284. Epic win for the ages over the War Eagle of Auburn. Dogs win 45 to 17. Wow. It's great to be a Georgia Bulldog. Dogcast. This is episode number 284. This is your Auburn, Georgia post-game show. Old Dog, I said it's great to be a Georgia Bulldog. Dude, was that just the perfect football Saturday or what? And there is no doubt about it. And I tell you what, that was an ass-whipping of of epic proportions. <laughs> For the ages. Man, I tell you what, that was, I, I don't know, I can't compare it to anything. I mean, from start to finish, we just, I mean, we demoralized them. Other than the one drive they had there to tie the score at 7-7, where they pulled out every damn trick in the book that they had to get into the end zone, it was just total domination on both sides of the ball. This whole show is basically just going to be patting people on the back, patting ourselves on the back, patting the Bulldogs on the back. You know, Spencer Solomon on Twitter said it best, I think, saying, boy, I think the Dogcast must have had a crystal ball because what they said Auburn was going to do and the way they said this game was going to turn out is exactly the way the game turned out and exactly what Auburn did. I told you Malzahn had two weeks to get ready. He was going to bring it in the first quarter, you know, and we saw that on the opening drive. I actually tweeted about it at the end of that drive. I said, this is not an offensive philosophy. This is a magic trick. You know, this is unsustainable, it, it, and it was. It was pathetic. I knew on the opening drive that Malzahn had nothing, and and it turned out he had nothing. He had less oh, than ab- nothing. Absolutely. I mean, when you're going through that kind of stuff just to tie the score in the first quarter, then you are a desperate team in a desperate situation, and that's exactly what it did. And my guess is, more than likely, that just gave our kids all the confidence in the world. Oh my gosh! Knowing that if you've got to pull, if you've got to pull the trickeration card out of the deck on the first drive of the game, <laughs> then you, then you know, you know, you are in for for trouble. The rest of the day. And, you know, we said earlier too, and it was interesting to see on some of the, some of the players on some of their tweets and some of their Facebook and stuff. I mean, they were sounding the dog cast banner. Uh, and I think Christian Robinson summed it up best. He said this was respect week. And that's exactly what we said and exactly what it was. Cause all through this entire 
win streak that we've been on. You know, you hear the whispers. You hear this. Well, they really haven't beaten anybody. Wait till they play somebody. Wait till they play this team. Wait till they play that team. And we, st- and when we had to, we stood up and, uh, and, and kudos out to our boy Steve Spurrier. Is that the bitterest? Son of a bitch in the world. He is still, he is still bitter about a game that was played back in the 1960s when we took the number one ranking away from his Florida Gators. And to have some little smart ass Alec quip after, after the Lamecocks beat up on the Gators that we'll see what Georgia does when they have to win a game. Well, Stevie boy, we damn sure did see what they did when they had to win a game. They just totally dominated it and kicked ass. 45 to 7. Absolutely. I'm telling you, it was fantastic, man. You know, the 51 yards rushing that we held Auburn to and the seven points that we held them to for the game, both record lows for the Malzahn era. Uh, both all-time lows for the Gus Malzahn era. I actually said something about it during the game. I said, you know, boy, 1.2 million doesn't buy as much damn genius this year as it bought last year, you know. 1.2 well, you know, is not looking as smart as it did last year, you know. The economy's going down, so 1.2 is only maybe getting you like half a genius. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, as far as Gene Chizik goes, I don't think it's even half a genius. You know, the the rumblings. If you, I'm telling you, you know, they've never been big fans of Gene Chizik in, in uh, Barn Town. And uh, you know, you take out the 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 aberration. Let's just call it that the bought and paid for aberration of the Cam Newton year. You know, he's not looking so damn smart when he's playing amateur tackle football in the SEC. It's a tough year. Tough year for the uh, for the Barners, and we put an exclamation point on that year on Saturday. 51 yards rushing, 7 points, old dog. Man, and not only that, but I'll tell you, a stat, well, it's not really a stat, but just something that, that made the old dog's heart go pitter-pat was... 51 yards that Auburn had rushing, we had more rushing attempts than they had total <laughs> yards at 57. Dude, when you talk, you always, you're such a, I know you're a big fan of the trenches. You know, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, I, I like the guys on the edge. You're, you like the big I know, nasties. I know you do. I know you do. You like the pretty stuff and you like the fluff, but it was, I, it was I, a game he, for everybody. Reminding you. And and all and all you pretty boys out there, the game is won on the line of scrimmage. And boy and, was it. And where did we win that game? Right there on the line of scrimmage. And uh our boy Drew Van Gorp sent in a little email and uh his question was how big was old dogs Woody when UGA in the fourth quarter went on a seven and a half minute drive and had eleven runs and no passes. I'm telling you, it was one of those Viagra things where you got to call the doctor after a certain length of time. <laughs> you had an erection that lasted more than four hours and you needed to call a physician? <laughs> I tell you, it was like a damn pogo stick around here. <laughs> I'm telling you, seven and a half minutes, zero passes. It had something for everybody. It made old dog happy. Hell, 
my boy Aaron Murray, four touchdowns. I mean, the touchdown passes, throwing to every different kind of receiver. Michael Bennett, dude, great movie. Great movie quote. He is so money, he doesn't even know it. Michael Bennett, dude, that's some, that guy can make the catch. You know, uh, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people say, whenever I'm in the stands, everybody's like, boy, you know, he's the new Chris Durham. You know, whenever you're a tall white kid who can catch, you, you automatically, not only are you a gym rat, you are the Chris Durham, you know, but I'm telling you, and Chris Durham said it himself on his own Twitter stream, stop comparing me to Michael Bennett because that guy is better than I am. That guy was better than I was. The catch that Michael Bennett made over, you know, the the adjustment he had to make over the, you know, from the outside shoulder to the inside shoulder with a damn Auburn guy hanging on him. That was an incredible adjustment. Incredible catch. Tavares King had a fantastic catch. And Malcolm Mitchell I can't say enough about Malcolm Mitchell either. I mean, that kid is sneaky good. You know, he's not like A.J. Green where he just blows you away with his height and his vertical and his hands. Malcolm Mitchell just cannot be covered. You know, he's not the tallest guy. He he very likely may be the fastest guy, but he's stinking sneaky. You just don't know where he is. You cannot cover him. He's freaking awesome. Our young receiver core, Chris Conley – all of them. Rhett McGowan, they are so, we are so good, man. We're so money. I'm, I'm just, a game like this, just, there's just kudos for everybody. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was awesome to see. And again, we're, kicks were flying into the end zone. Wow. Uh, our boy Brandon Bogate out there making a field goal. I hmm. mean, what more could you, it was, it was an old dog dream. It really was. And, I mean, you know, even Blair Walsh, as I, as predicted on this show, responding to pressure from Bogote, even even he had some kicks to the goal line, you know, had some end zone kicks. Found a little extra swing in that leg. Found a little extra swing in that leg, didn't he? And i tell you the what, he could have made a 60-yard field goal on Saturday, yeah. too. Unfortunately, the only thing that didn't go right, and it was a little minor thing, but I do feel bad for my boy Drew Butler. The one, the one punt he had was was just abysmal. It was, and uh, you know, uh, he knows about it. And uh, there's been some talk about the new the the uh, the punt formation. I, I don't think that's what's making him. You know, I don't think that's what made him go with the shanks. But I'm telling you, I'm no, even I'm less just on the sideline laughing his ass off so hard about I, the way we were whipping up on Auburn. That was. I'm less worried about Drew Butler than I am about Blair Walsh, though. Drew Butler is a prof- Drew Butler's going to be punting on Sunday next year. Drew Butler can punt. I, I'm I'm less worried about him than even Blair Walsh, who I'm also not worried about. Um, those guys will get it together. I, I'm uh, Drew Butler. Oh, no okay. doubt about. I'm not worried about no. Drew Butler. Um, and um, and and Aaron Murray continues just to be on a hot streak. Ah. Oh. I mean, you know, the one that started really with New Mexico State where virtually every ball that he threw. How many incompletions do you have? Three incompletions, I think? Three or uh, two or three. Yeah. Hang on just a second. I'll I'll let you know because cause as the listeners know, when they need stats, they go to me. Yeah, well, you know, we've uh, asked the intern over there. Uh, um, ask uh, <laughs> ask our intern. Hey, pull up the uh, stats. We need the stats on actually, that. Uh, actually, we were, it was – our our boy Aaron Murray was 14 for 18. 14 for 70, 18. 78% completion. 
224 yards and four TDs, and most importantly, no INTs. Uh, he's on fire, dude. He's seeing the field right now. Seeing the field. I'm, I'm telling you, he's in the zone. But, you know, I tell you, and probably the greatest stat coming out of the game, other than the number of runs we had and our rushing yardage, a third down efficiency. We held Auburn 3 for 11 and we were 12 for 15. 12 for 15 at 1.7 of 7. Um, you're right. Third down's our bitch on both sides of the ball, dude. We we own third down this year. I mean, such a turnaround from last year. We own third down. I'm telling. I mean, and I want to temper all of this excitement, by the way, because I mean we're excited. Everybody's excited. It was a fantastic game. Everybody loves Grantham. Everybody loves Coach Rick. Everybody loves Aaron Murray. You know, but I want to temper all this for just a second, real quick here. Um. Where are the where are the haters at, old dog? Have you heard from any haters? You know these guys who call in after the game. Hell, you know I don't want to pick on a particular blog, but I am going to pick on a particular blog. The guys over at Sports and Grits, you know, and I know a lot of you listeners read Sports and Grits, and I don't have any problem with those guys. I mean they're they're not bad guys, and they, it's a pretty good blog actually. Hell, I read it, but they've been pretty damn prolific and upfront about their their derision when it comes to Coach Rick this year. You know, I mean, they've had the who's going to replace Coach Rick in 2012 poll on their damn website all season, okay? So, I mean, they've been pretty upfront about that, and as as a lot of Georgia fans have been. And now, you know, they're all like, <laughs> you know, you thank us. I mean, you can send your thank yous to us for because it's our, you know, we weren't really being serious about firing Coach Rick. We were just trying to get his attention so he would step up his game. So, you know, <laughs> send your thank yous to us for, for helping out the dogs this year because by hating on Coach Rick, we actually, you know, made him a better coach. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's really easy to say now, isn't it, old dog? Oh, it, it, I mean, hindsight's always 2020. Hell yeah. Everybody's, everybody's and, uh, a fan now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but you know, I, golly, I can't, there's so much to talk about on special teams, on offense, on defense. You know, you talked about 304 yards rushing, you know, two 100 yard rushers. Um, Isaiah well, Crowell. I mean, we have, we haven't had that since Georgia Tech. Yeah, exactly. We haven't had that since the I own this state game. Um, I run this state. Yeah, I run this state exactly. The second biggest margin of victory all t- I mean second biggest margin of victory ever over Auburn in the in the South's oldest rivalry. Um man, how about Carlton Thomas, man, averaging 8.5 yards a carry. 8.5 yards a carry. Boy, if the boy ain't smoking weed, he is one hell of a running back. <laughs> I'm telling you what, buddy. I am telling you what. Um, and I do want to make, there is, I also want to talk, I do want to say, you know, like I said, let's temper all this excitement with a little bit of reality check. Isaiah, oh man, let's not do that. Now hell, we're playing Kentucky next week. Isaiah Crowell we can, had a great we game. Still, we can still be in dreamland until December 3rd. Isaiah Crowell had a great half. He had a great half. He did not have a great first half. And, you know, and I'm not just talking about the yards. 
But when I want, and you know, everybody saw him limp off the field. You know, I myself said, "What's he? He's good for one play a quarter." You know, he carries the ball once. He's got to get some oxygen. You know, his ankles hurt or whatever. And I was questioning his toughness in the first half, questioning whether or not he's got the goods to play big boy football. You know, and he did step up. You know, in his credit, in his defense, he clearly stepped up and played a lot of snaps and carried the ball a lot in the second half. Okay. But here's the only thing I want to say about this. If you were in the stadium on Saturday, you noticed when Brandon Harton came on the field, he had a huge applause, huge round of applause. When he carried the ball, huge round of applause. Everybody's clapping. Everybody's screaming. Everybody's excited to see Brandon Harton in the game. Our third string running back, they're excited when Brandon Harton comes in the game. My message, and look, I know Isaiah Crowell, look, you probably don't even listen to the show. I, I get the fact that a guy like Isaiah Crowell, you're too cool to listen to the dogcast, maybe, okay? I get that. I'm hoping one of your friends clues you in on this. I hope your preacher or your mom and dad, somebody clues you into this, though. It is critical, old dog, that Isaiah Crowell, he needs to know why Brandon Harton is getting those cheers and why he's not. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, he needs to know. Maybe what I'm saying is not making sense. But the di- why does Brandon Harton get those cheers and Isaiah Crowell does not get those cheers? It's important that Crowell knows why. Because Harton is playing with heart. He's doing things the right way. He's doing things for the program, selfless things for the program. And Isaiah Crowell needs to get on that train. Don't, do you agree with that? Am I right about oh, that? I, I agree totally. And I tell you, in... A little bit of Crowell's defense, which, wow, I never thought I would be doing. But this, this is going back to how just out of hand high school recruiting has gotten. Yeah. I mean, it has become just a huge, huge industry. And you've got, and, and I'm not saying Crowell is a prima donna because I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I haven't been around him. But when all you have been told since like your junior year of high school that you are the greatest thing since sliced bread and any program you go to should be glad to have you and they're going to bow down to you and all you've got to do like I used to joke about all you've got to do is show up and you're going to have hundred yard games you know they're just going to hand you the ball and you're just going to walk I mean as we have talked so many times there is such every time you go from one level of sports to another there is a huge huge difference and that's why so many people fall out yeah was isaiah crowell a great running back in high school he sure was but how many great running backs in high school don't ever make it in college that's a, a great lot. point i'm not saying i'm not saying crowell will or he won't but there are a ton of them that don't and all you got to do is look at our roster in the past and see how many and how many and then you take it another step how many great college running backs are adequate in the pros or or not or don't even make it i mean each level you go to so you have got to work your ass off and continue to work because as I said last year about Marcus Lattimore and had to eat my words, there's a big difference 
between running the ball in high school and getting hit by other kids and running the ball in college and getting hit by grown-ass men. And I think that's what Crowell is finding out this year. He's not getting hit by other 17- and 18-year-olds down there in Carver, Columbus. He's on a field in Sanford Stadium. He's on a field in an SEC, and he's getting smacked down by some guy that's been in a weight room for four years, been on a nutrition program that's 22 years old and is 260 pounds, and it's all muscle. Yeah. Well said. That's a great thing. And yeah, I want to, I want to be real clear about this. I'm not pulling the plug on Crowell or anything like that. And you're right. There is an adjustment period. And we also have to temper our expectations of a true freshman running back. I think all of that is true. And I think that is great. But I, like I said, I just think it's critical. Crowell's got to get his head right. You know, he's got to get his head right. It's not about what he's doing on the field so much. He looks great on the field. I got no complaints there. But he's got to get his head right about his role and his place in this program and as a leader on this team. And that's tough for a young guy. It's tough for an 18-year-old kid. I get that. And you're right. We as fans need to temper our expectations of what we've been taught and what we've been expecting out of Crowell. But I just think it's critical that Crowell understand the difference between where he is and how the fans feel about him and how the fans feel about Brandon Harton right now. He's got to get he's got to get on board with the program, you know. And I hope he does. Exactly. I hope he exactly. does. I want him to. That's why I'm telling you this. So, well, and and this is and luckily this year has played out like it has for him. But I think part of the Part of that, too, is there was a lot of pressure on him because the way our team had been the last two years, we as Georgia fans, we were looking for a savior. We were looking for Superman to come in. We were looking for that one thing the chosen that was going to take that was going to take a bad team and make them good. And it's and I know folks get tired of me hearing it or saying it and hearing about it, but it's the Herschel Walker syndrome all over again. I know. And that's not going to happen. I mean, once in a lifetime does someone come along that can take a team like we had in 1979 and turn it in to a championship team in 1980. But you cannot expect one player to make that kind of difference. And I tell you what has really turned this entire team around is a group of kids. 22 guys on defense. I'm taking the starters and their backups. I mean, our defense is night and day. And, you know, thank heavens that the players have bought in to the way Grantham coaches and the scheme. I mean, after last year, I could have, I mean, I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not. And I sure am glad that I'm, I was wrong. Hell, did. let's be because, honest now, old dog. Hell, we weren't we sure. Are. You, were, we weren't damn sure it was going to work this year, man. Right. I mean, after that Boise State game, we weren't entirely sure it was even working this year, you know. But you know, but, but they are, they are lighting it up, and and Murray, and and the and it's you know, it's the freshman receivers that really have ignited the offense. Man, no doubt, they really are taking the pressure off. They're taking the pressure off a lot off of Murray. You know, I was thinking about this too. When you, you know, I know a lot of those balls, like the touchdown to Malcolm Mitchell. I think was you know that's a short throw. It's a designed underthrow. You know, and Mitchell's making an adjustment on the ball because he can make that break. You know, but just like we've always said. A, gr- a good offensive line can make a you know a decent running back look great you know 
um, I think our receivers are making a good quarterback look great. You know, oh, I mean, they're I, free because we've seen the flip side of that too. You know, when receivers make a damn good quarterback look not so great with drop balls. You know, we're then the opposite of Martrez Milner right now. We've got we've got this hell. We're just firing on all cylinders. We've we got are, playmakers we are. at every. And, and we've got you. playmakers, dude. And I tell you, my my hat does go off a little bit to Coach Rick because I as as I have said before, he is probably one of the most stubborn SOBs I have ever seen in my life. As far as he he's going to do it his way, and to hell with anybody that says it's got to be done differently. And I think he has loosened up a little bit because two years ago, you wouldn't see these freshman kids out. Fresh, especially the freshman receivers, out on the field like they are now. It would be I Wooten, mean, he was, Brown, and he, King come hell or right. high water, you know? Because he was one of these guys, you know, you stay with the program, you're there for four years, you get rewarded, you play your junior and senior year, even if the talent behind you is much better. Uh, hopefully he learned his lesson a little bit with no Sean Moreno when we redshirted him and other things like that. I mean, and we've got freshmen on defense that are just standing up big. We have got to, and I think he's come around. Marlo Herrera, fantastic. Putting, putting the best players on the field, no matter, no matter what they are, no matter if they're freshmen or if they're fifth year, sixth year redshirt seniors, if you're the best player at your position, you need to be. You need to be on the field. Right, absolutely. I mean, it's been, and I think that flexibility has been rewarded, and I think that's going to keep coming. I think, I hope it keeps coming. I mean, on special teams, and let's talk about special teams for a second. Hell, we've got to talk about Blake Sailors and Quintavious Harrow. We've got to talk about the hit, dude. A demoralizing hit that Harrow laid on that damn kick return against Auburn. I mean, that's the kind of hit the Auburn people are saying. That's the kind of hit that makes you want to get on the bus and go back home. It just absolutely is, man. And how about well, Blake Sailors, number 11, dude? I mean, our kick coverage, I mean, you talk about flexibility in Coach Rick and special teams, you know. I'm telling you, he's made changes to make things better in real time throughout this season. And it's been, it's been exciting to see. Well, and he had to. And nothing fires up a team or a crowd like seeing the opponent go backwards oh my gosh dude the hit that boykin had on that receiver the little bubble screen thing um the let's talk about defense for a second because i just can't stand it how long has it been since we had this many playmakers on defense man from jarvis jones i mean kwame gathers and john jenkins getting a sack uh d'angelo tyson and avery jones every it seems like our entire front seven are playmakers, as well as Rambo, Cummings, Boykin. Our defense is filled to the brim with playmakers. And my question, old dog, is where's the where do you draw the line between, wow, it's all these fantastic athletes. Look at Herrera and Gellyard, you know? And, I mean, forget about, just don't forget about Ogletree and Christian Robinson, man. I mean, we are filled to the brim with playmakers. How much of that is playmakers? How much of that is scheme? And this Grantham's defense is just working now. Oh, well, I, th- I think it's twofold. A, I think Grantham's defense is working. But I think the biggest thing there is, A, we've got the right personnel 
to run that kind of defense. And more than anything else, the personnel we have has got their mindset now where they know it's going to work and they've bought into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to realize that most of the, and and maybe it is a change in mindset or it could be that you look at the guys on the field that a lot of them that are making the plays, Grantham is all they know. Yeah. They're not, you know, they don't go back to the, to the Willie Martinez you know, tissue paper debacle defense, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so a lot of that may have to do with the fact, and that may be why we've got those guys on there. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they weren't coached poorly, right? (laughs) They've been coached properly from the get, right? Um, I tell you, I I just, I tell you what, I don't know what it is, but our defense is as good. It's, it's every bit as good as it, Ever was, in my opinion, during the Van Gorder era. And, you know, there are people saying, well, it's Grantham greater than Van Gorder, equal to Van Gorder, what? And then you got the guys out there go, well, you know, let me know when you win an SEC championship, and then we'll talk and that kind of stuff, you know. But uh, I tell you, our defense is filled to the brim with playmakers right now. Every single one of them is making plays. Um, Rambo with the pick six, it's just fantastic. Offensive line, biggest offensive line, Chris Burnett. Pancake after pancake after pancake, dude. Chris Burnett is laying people to waste on the offensive line right now. And, uh, man, it's just great. Cordy Glenn, uh, Ben Jones, fantastic game in every phase. Plenty, oh, absolutely. plenty of love to go around this week, old dog. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, I mean, again, this was a game we had to stand up and win uh, or it – you would have had the naysayers coming out of the woodwork. Well, and we did. And, you know, you can't say enough about because how many times have we been in a situation? I mean, this was this is the first big game we have won in a long, long time. And I want these kids to remember how good it feels. I'm telling you, I, I totally agree. I'm excited about the Kentucky game coming up. I'm excited about playing in, playing the damn nerds down on North Avenue. And I'm pretty damn excited about going to see what we can do against LSU. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not rose colored glasses here, but I'm telling you what, we got 22 damn players just like they do. And let's find out what we can, let's find out what we're going to find out in the, in Georgia Dome one way or the other. Well, and, and I agree with you. And, and you know, I mean, and this is we'll be breaking it down. I mean, we're going to literally kill Kentucky. Yeah, we really are. They lost by thirty I mean, to Vandy. Yeah, I mean they are they are absolutely horrible. It'll be a good tune up, uh, you know. And I think we have got the personnel on the field to handle Georgia Tech too, because the way and you know I'm getting way ahead of myself I know. now. This well, is two weeks down. You're right. But the way you beat that, the way you beat that is with good athletes and speed and sure tackling, and, man, we got all three of them. We got that in spades. Hey, one other thing, you know, just like spreading the love, huge weekend for recruiting. As much fun as we all had in the stands and the parking lots before and after the game, think about how awesome things were for those stinking recruits, man. Is that the kind of – is that – what that is just what if you were going to draw up a football weekend to impress cr- recruits, that is the damn day to do it right there. Three thirty, oh, I mean, CBS, Blue Sky, SEC, oldest rivalry, dismantle. Yeah, 
I mean, there wasn't everything was wonderful. I mean, it was an ideal day for football. It couldn't have gotten any better in the best college town in in the country. And the Gators lost. Uh, you know, uh, Carolina lost the SEC East. The Gators lost the game. Georgia Tech had lost Thursday Georgia night. Georgia Tech I mean, was, the nerds lost on Thursday. It was like winning a triple header. We found out Stanford really is the original nerd herd, really not number four. Whoever actually really thought Stanford is the fourth best football team in the country. Uh, we found out that Boise can't go undefeated in the MWAC in their first year of the MWAC. Um Great football Saturday, boy. It was. Like I say, it doesn't get any better. And like I say, there is nothing like a big win over a big rival for a big adjustment attitude. And I just hope that we can carry this this into the rest of our games. I agree. Uh, you know, Kentucky, they ain't going to be a problem. <laughs> We've got to beat Tech, and then we're in the Dome on December 3rd. Now, I also want to give a big shout-out to Van and the guys that came by the tailgate. I'm telling you, I love – I mean, it's – I can't tell you guys how great it is when I get to see and talk to listeners in person. When you guys care enough to actually come by and make an effort and uh, come by the tailgate and hang out with us a little bit, meet the family, you know, that really, really cements the relationship and really just – just makes my day. I'm telling you, I, it really makes my day. And I just want you guys to know how much we appreciate the listeners and how much we appreciate your support and y'all's feedback. And just we're all in this together, man. I mean, we're all in this together. Dog fans, for fans, by fans. We are your podcast, your source for dog talk on the internet. And old dog, I had what I might, might be an epiphany. It might be stupid. I don't know. I need to go to the listeners out there and y'all tell me if this is a dumb idea or a genius idea. I can't tell. I can't believe I've never thought of it in five years. But towards the end of the Auburn game, you know, old dog, I'm sitting there and I'm looking around at all these dang stadium cups, right? The $5 stadium cups, the big red ones with the, with the Jack Davis artwork on the side that come filled with your favorite Coca-Cola product. And I'm thinking, God, I've got 20 of these things in my damn cabinet at home, you know. It's so it, it just I started thinking about it, and I was like, what could you do with those? Who would be interested in those? And I thought, you know, the kind of people that are interested in stadium cups are the people that can't make it to the stadium, you know. People that live in California or Oregon or Vermont, you know, or New York City. And then I was like. How can they get the cups? How do they? And I, it, it all just came together in my head like this. It was like this. I had a vision like, hey, Derek, you're in a unique position to talk to Bulldog fans in California and Vermont and New York and ask them if they want stadium cups, you know, and and to deliver the stadium cup. I mean, if I never got to go to a Georgia game. I think it would be really cool to get a stadium cup. I like the stadium cups. You know, they change them every year. Hell, me and my family, we're huge fans of them. We always get four or five at the first game, and we keep them in our cabinet all year. Hell, I've got some of the Munson cups from years back, you know, the commemorative cups. And, hell, I think stadium cups are awesome. You're kind of thinking like like Travis from Bogota now now Los Angeles might like to show up to the tech listening party with a stadium cup in his hand. He might, or what if he never gets to a game this year? You know, he doesn't even know what the stadium cups look like if he hasn't been to a game. He might think that's pretty cool. Long story short, if you guys want some stadium cups, 
Email me and let me know. I'm gonna put them, I'm thinking about putting a little button on there or whatever, and I'm thinking, hell, I'm gonna, I'll give them to you for what I got in them, which is five bucks. Minus the, now, uh, let me ask you this, so you are gonna run the dishwasher on the sanitized cycle, aren't you? Actually, I'm hand washing them because I don't want them to fade or get, uh, I'm hand, wow. I'm hand sanitizing these babies because I want them to be pristine, you know? So, so I'm thinking, I'm, hell, I'm just gonna wrap them you in some craft the paper and put your address on the side, you know? I don't know. Hell, maybe no, maybe I'm stupid. Maybe nobody. No, maybe nobody's interested. Maybe it's a dumb idea. I don't know. Hell, maybe it's illegal. Hell, who knows? <laughs> but if you want a damn stadium cup, well, it's, you it's email me. Not, it's certainly not the first time we we've ran a foul. <laughs> exactly. I may get a damn cease and desist letter from <laughs> it, the University it ain't of Georgia be this our week. First cease and desist order. But by God, I got a big ass stack of stadium cups here. If you guys want one of the new Jack Davis 2011 Red Stadium cups, you send me an email at dogcast.com. You PayPal me five bucks. I'll send you a stadium cup. So. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a genius idea. Maybe it's a stupid idea. I don't know. You guys tell me. We'll find out this week what y'all think about my idea. I'm giving away stadium cups, or I'm not giving away. I'm shipping stadium cups to people all around the country who want stadium cups. If you can't get to the stadium, you can sit there in your damn Barca lounger and bark at the TV and have a real authentic stadium cup in your hand. Email us at dogcast at gmail.com or give me a call at 706-363-0210. Um, I appreciate the support, and I'm going to prove it with Stadium Cups this week. So uh, you guys let us know what you think about my Stadium Cup idea, and we'll go from there. Old Dog, what else you got? Man, that's it. Uh, I know you're going to be traveling the world a little bit, so I'm not sure what our schedule is for the Kentucky pregame show. That's a great point. We'll, we'll get on there. We'll babble about Kentucky a little bit. But all you need to know is we're going to whip that cat ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you guys right now. Yeah, I'm going to be in uh, the Upper Peninsula this week. Uh, up, I'm going to be above Green Bay, kicking it Oshkosh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin style, Big Ten country. I'm going to be in Wisconsin all this week on business. And... Uh, I'm not going to be able to, um, we're not going to be able to put out the show. The, the Kentucky pregame show will be out, but it's likely to be Friday morning, late Thursday night or Friday morning before it shows up on the interwebs. So, um, you guys make sure your feed, um, make sure your feed, if you get it through iTunes or whatever, make sure you update that feed Thursday night, Friday morning if you want that pregame show, because it's going to be a little late this week, because I'm going to be out of town. So, um, Kentucky pregame, going to be a little late this week, but we will be there for you. Um, like I said, email me at dogcast at gmail.com. Call us at 706-363-0210. Send me five bucks if you want a stadium cup with your address and, um, Hell, send us five bucks even if you don't want a cup. Hell yeah. Or I'll stuff your, I'll, I'll stuff your show worn t-shirt. If you, if you pay the $25 for the show worn t-shirt, I'll stuff it inside a stadium cup and send that to you. Hell, I'll use stadium cups. I'll use stadium cups like shipping containers. But, uh, anyway, I don't know. We're just crazy here. Big win. Everybody's happy. Good mood. Everybody's laughing. I think we're at 40 minutes on this show. We're going long. It's, it's crazy, old dog. The wheels are coming off, dude. Yes, indeed. It's all Christian Robinson's fault. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, dog fans. Go dogs. We're back. Hold on a second. We, I was about to. I can't. I don't care if the show's long. I was just about to hang up and <laughs> old dog. I said I was going to talk about my Gators thing. With, and old dog, tell me what you just said there when we when we cut away. Well, as as our listeners know, I am 
I'm not up on a lot of social media stuff. And for the last month, I've heard about hashtag this, hashtag that. I want to know what the hell a hashtag is. Okay, I'm going to tell you what a hashtag is real quick. And I'll tell you, do hashtag... I need, do I need to look at my phone? No, no, you don't. On Twitter... Because I have to go look at it on the wall here. Here's the thing. Twitter, a lot of people think, if you don't know what Twitter is, if you don't understand Twitter, you might not get this. But hashtag is the way you, you're, you're tagging a topic, okay? It's like a tag on the internet or whatever. You're tagging a topic. So, uh, if I was gonna tweet, I'm tweeting about the Bulldogs, hashtag literally is the pound sign, old dog, a number sign, okay? For you, I mean tic-tac-toe board, okay? You don't know what pound sign means probably, cause you're, you're- No, I know what pound sign is. <laughs> Tic Tac Toe Board, okay? So when I sit, when I, when you, so on Twitter, if you put a hashtag, Tic Tac Toe Board, and then you put the word dogs behind it, you're forming a tag. So then when somebody can go on Twitter and type in the word dogs, and every person who has put a, a tag up of hashtag dogs, those tweets will come up. It's how you track topics. Does that make sense? Old dog? Oh, yes, it does make sense. Okay, were you calculating there? Were your was, ears smoking? No, no, I, was, I was. I was looking at my phone, figuring out how I could hashtag. Something. Okay, well, you can't hashtag because you don't have a Twitter. But now, but let me take it one step further and just blow your mind. Now, hashtag is becoming a thing unto itself. Okay, there's this TV show, right, called How I Met Your Mother, and yeah. uh, and so now you just say like it. You just say hashtag. So. It, it, it does, it's, it's gone off Twitter. It's offline now. So you might say something like, um, we are beating the brakes off of Auburn. Hashtag domination. And you like actually say that, okay? You're not putting it on Twitter, but when you say hashtag domination, you're kind of categorizing your comment in the real world. You get it? Gotcha. Okay, there now, you go. Now I would be a little bit scared though, if I'm on the other side, if I just Search for tweets on domination because you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> That's true. If you search hashtag domination, you're not going to get a lot of stuff possibly about the Georgia Auburn game. You might get something on you an entirely different topic. Would be, in, would be inappropriate for young eyes to see. So while we're going on this record show, old dog, you also said, what did you say about the time of this show? I told you it was about 40 minutes and you said. And, and I said it's about 20, it's about 25 minutes of just total babbling by me and you. Yeah, it really is. I know this show's long. But, but we can't, we can't help ourselves because it has been a long, long time since we have had a damn victory like this. I, I this, this game, this game last Saturday was akin to the ass whipping that we gave Hawaii. The only thing missing was a crying quarterback. I think it's even better because Auburn is so much more value, you know, so much more serious. I mean, it's it's an SEC team. No, nobody at the end of the day, we all had fun at that Hawaii game, but everybody goes, "Well, it's Hawaii. Who cares? Send them back yeah. to the island." You damn hang this. You hang. We're hanging on the na the defending national champion. The, the, the damn geniuses, Malzahn and Chizik, you know. And uh, not to mention all my former friends. You know, I lost a lot of friends in that damn Auburn game last year. A lot of really great friends. Really, really great, true, dear friends that I have not spoken to. And I'm not making this up, old dog. I have not spoken to them since last year's Auburn game. I said things. They said things. We parted company. So that makes this game more valuable to me. This this is a this is redemption. It's 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 respect. It's payback. It's all that and more. 
But before we go, I'm, hell, if we're going to go long, let me give you my gator theory right now, too, because I was putting this out there, too. Shoot the gator theory. And you know, I tell you, I just want you to know I'm walking on a cloud now that I know what a hashtag is. I know you are. Hashtag, hashtag awesome. Okay, so here's the deal. You know, before Steve Spurrier, the Gators were miserable. For a hundred years, they were freaking miserable. As far as George is concerned, you pointed out, you know, they had some number one rankings, you know, not postseason, but during the season. They had a lot of wins. They had a lot of great seasons. You know, they never had an undefeated season, but... You know, they were what they were. But once Spurrier got there, they got the, the, the cute term is they got a schematic advantage. Okay? They had the special sauce that we talked about. And that really turned the tide for the Gators and began this 21 years of, um, of hell for Georgia fans. Okay? Then they continued that with Urban Meyer, the schematic advantage. Keep that term in the back of your head, right? Now they've decided that they don't need the schematic advantage. They've gone with Will Muschamp. And Will Muschamp has said, you know what, we're going to play old school, smash mouth, coach boom. We're going to play like Auburn. I mean, we're going to play like Alabama and LSU. We're going we're gonna to bring it pro style between the tackles. They've given up their schematic advantage. And you know what Gators minus Spurrier minus Meyer minus schematic advantage equals Galen Hall. There you go, dog fans. Thank you. Thank you. I'm out. Charlie Pell, Galen Hall, same old bull crap, piece of crap, no count, Gators that we all know and love. For those of you who are older than the age of 40, the Gators that you grew up with, the Gators that Will Muschamp grew up with, you know? He's returning us to the Gators. glory days of his beloved Gators, the glory days of Charlie Pell and Galen Hall, the glory days for all Bulldogs. Hell, we've had this, we've been thinking about this the wrong way, old dog. We've been down on Muschamp. Hell, we might be looking at this the wrong way. Maybe Muschamp is the greatest victory the dogs are ever going to have over the Gators. Well, we need him to stay there for a long time. Deep cover mole. Deep cover mole, old dog. We've sent Muschamp. This is the this is going to be the greatest coup in all of college sports, man. We've sent the best deep cover mole ever invented into the heart of Gainesville, the heart of blue jean country. Anyway, that's my Gator well, one other one other quick theory to throw out on the Gators, and then we will finally put this long-ass show to bed. <laughs> there is a rumor that one of the reasons the Gators are not putting some tremendous athletes on the field is because Charlie Weiss has eaten them. <laughs> or maybe he's taking food out of their mouths, and they're withering away. Either he's eating the damn athletes themselves, or he, or they're wasting away from malnutrition. I think, I think he is just laying in his office like Job of the Hut, and a new recruit comes in, and he just picks it up and just oh, swallows it. <laughs> Dog fans, thanks for listening. Holy crap, we just rolled over the 51-minute mark on this show. Uh, We're out of here. Go dogs. Now that's how you play some ball. That is Georgia ball right there. You run the ball down the throats, you hit them hard, and you play some ball. It's about time. Isaiah Crowell, you need to start learning how to toughen up, son. Everybody else, that's how you play some ball. Down with Auburn. We're headed to the FC Championship game. Love the dog cats. Love y'all guys. Thank you. This is Gilly Dog from Lake of Florida. See ya. All right. How about them dogs? This is, uh, this is, this is a big Georgia fan living in Houston, Texas. And for
for eight years, I lived down there in Columbus, Georgia, real close to them Auburn Tigers, Plainsmen, War Eagles, whatever, take your pick. But uh there is nothing like beating those guys. Oh, I wish I was still back in Georgia to enjoy it. But you know what? I'm going to fly my Georgia flag proud for a week out here in Texas. And who knows? Bring on those LSU Tigers. We might, we might give them a run for their money. Hey, Derek and Uncle Dog, keep it up. Love the dog cast. Beat them Auburn Tigers. That is wonderful. Go dogs. Derek and Old Dog, this is Brazelton Dog. Haven't called in quite a while. Awesome freaking game tonight. Georgia D put it to Auburn and shut that ass down. They came in, Auburn came into Athens the second Second leading rushing offense in the SEC, trailing only Alabama, and we shut that ass down to 51 yards total. That's a beatdown, and that's testament to Coach Grantham. Jarvis Jones had another monster game. That dude is just a freaking man, no doubt about it. Hats off to Coach Grantham. We got the scariest-ass defensive coordinator in the SEC, and if you mess with him, he's going to whoop your ass after the game, too. Offensively, two 100-yard rushers, and I'm challenging you. I, I'm, I know, I know, old dog had to love it, but I'm challenging you just to look something up for me. When is the last time Georgia had two 100-yard rushers in the same game? I'd love to find out from you guys. Love the show. Hats off to Aaron Murray. Hats off to Georgia. Go dogs. D-line did great. Offensive line owned it like freaking grown men tonight. Kickoff team was a bunch of freaking wild-ass dogs. Go dogs. 